Uh, we're going to invite Pastor Ryan Comus and his wife Christina, and they're going to share some things from their life story that uh, I believe you'll want to know uh, as we uh, welcome them and as we get to know them and they become integrated into the life of Community Baptist Church. I've asked them to share some specific things from their life. And let me preface that by reading a passage of Scripture to us this evening. I'm reading from 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. And in this amazing chapter, we see God as a God of comfort. Listen to the words of Scripture. Blessed be God. Even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation may abound also by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. What a powerful truth we find in those verses in Second Corinthians chapter 1, where the Bible teaches us that God will often allow tragedy in our lives so that we can gain a depth about us in understanding what it is to hurt, what it is to be healed, what it is to enjoy the consolation and comfort that comes from God, and it preps us to be able to have a spirit of consoling others when we meet people who suffer what we have suffered in our past. Powerful truth of the Word of God. You know, I was once asked a question. I was um, being uh, examined by a church who did not have a pastor, and they were considering me as a potential pastor for their congregation. And in a question and answer period, a gentleman asked me, he said, what traumatic experience have you had in life that fitted you to be our pastor? Wow, what an impressive question. A question that indicated that gentleman understood that it is the traumas of life that shape us to be able to minister to others. I recently read a quote by a lady by the name of Lisa. She said that a really wise man once told me, Lisa, don't ever hire someone who hasn't been broken. She said she didn't really understand at the time uh, what he meant by that, but life taught her uh, what he meant by that. She went on to say, when life breaks you and you let the good work of healing take place, you just don't 
become as nearly prone to criticize and condemn others. And you just don't have the desire or the energy to bring any more hardship into a world that's already hard enough. And you aren't nearly as convinced that you've got life so figured out that you allow pride to sneak in and steal your wisdom. You're a little more eager to notice and appreciate others when they get stuff right. And you're a little less eager to crucify them when they get a few things wrong. You're a little more willing to lean in and listen to their story before you jump to conclusions and assign motives that may not have been there. Well, that that was an interesting quote from a lady by the name of Lisa. And it's so true that people who have been broken and who have experienced the healing of God after that brokenness have a depth to them that changes them. Well, Pastor Ryan and Christina have had some tragedies in life, and, and it has shaped them. It has shaped their hearts and their lives to be ministers to a church family. So I'm excited that they're here with us at Community Baptist Church. And I'm excited that they're going to come and share their story with all of us right now. So let's welcome our new assistant pastor, Pastor Ryan, and his wife, Christina, and give them an opportunity to share with us things about their life. To hasten to his throne, to lay my Thank you, Pastor, for giving us the opportunity to be able to share our testimony with those from Community Baptist and others that may be watching. Uh, we're so glad that you're able to do that tonight. Uh, I believe that this will be a help to you. Uh, I believe that it will encourage your heart and help you to be closer to God uh, because of what is said tonight, not because of anything of who we are or anything that we have done, but because of what God has done in our lives and because of who God is in our lives. Uh, tonight, I want to start with a verse. And it's Job in chapter 23 in verse 10, and it says this, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. God works through our trials and will bring us through our trials successfully if we let him and if we stay close to him. Tonight I pray that you're encouraged to trust God with your life, to stay close to him, to live for him, and that you just make up your mind to do everything that you can for Jesus Christ. Are you hurting tonight? If you are, God blesses through the hurt. God helps you in your pain, and God gives you uh, success in your trial. When trials come, a lot of people, they, they believe that God has given up. Uh, they believe that sometimes their failure is final. And sometimes they believe that their failure and their trial uh, become stumbling blocks when they should become stepping stones. I believe that you should be growing in him no matter what the circumstance that you're, that you're in in your life. Uh, at this time, I think I want to take an opportunity to let my wife give you a, a, a piece of our testimony, a piece of our lives, um, starting back in 2009 uh, in our lives. And, and, and I just want to give her this opportunity right now. This is so strange doing this um, on a camera. I can't believe it. <laughs> Usually when we tell this story of our kids, we're um, seeing people's face-to-face -face anyway, but um, I'll give it my best shot here. <laughs> um, so Ryan and I were married in 2004, um, and we were married at Valley Forge Baptist Temple, and it was, it was a beautiful day. Um, 
I remember a lot of things about that day, but most importantly, we were just very excited to be married. Finally, Pastor Scott Wendell married us at noon on a Saturday in front of all of our family and friends. And I, I think back to that day and how people remarked that we were just smiling so much. And I think that we were just excited. We knew that we wanted to serve God. We knew that we loved each other, and we knew that we wanted to do this journey together. Um, but we had no idea what God was going to do, none so um, we were married that day, and then um, life began, and it was it was great. And then two years later, um, we had to say goodbye to your mom, and she went to be with Jesus um, from cancer after a long battle with cancer, and it was really hard. It was really hard to be through that. Um, and then after that, as any couple would want to do, we wanted to have children, and we tried um, and then a, I remember us being in a in our friend's living room in California. We received a phone call. We were visiting there, and uh, we received a phone call from our doctor back home, and they explained to us on the phone that we could not have children. And that was just a devastating blow, and um, it was hard to swallow. And But then <clears throat> not long after that, um, we were pregnant with twins, and it was unbelievable, and they were just a miracle from God at that point because they weren't supposed to be and we were just thanking him so much and um it was not too difficult of a pregnancy but um we were just very excited that we had two lives that the lord was going to allow us to raise but then um when i was 23 weeks pregnant um the babies were born and that day there are some things about that day and that week that would follow that just will forever be ingrained in my mind. And sometimes God does that uh, with memories. And I just remember a lot about that day and our children. Our son Caleb was one pound seven ounces when he was born. And our daughter Leah was one pound five ounces. And uh, just very tiny, um, probably about you know the tip of my hand down to here, very small babies and so um the room that i was in uh, with ryan when where the children were born was had 30 i think about 30 people in it and then all of a sudden it was it was none and uh, i i remember a, a, one of the doctors telling us every hour that your children live you need to thank your god for um, because this is it just doesn't look good and so we were so devastated. These miracle babies that God had given us now um, came early, and they were fighting for their lives. And so we did. We we prayed, and uh, that was a Monday. That was on mm-hmm. in on August 31st um, in 2009. So this is, you know, almost 11 years ago. And we prayed and prayed, and um, so did our church, and. Our kids fought for their lives, the doctors and nurses, they fought for them, and we asked God to intervene on their behalf. Um, On Monday, so a week later, um, we had to say goodbye to our son, and we held him (laughs) as he took his last breath and uh, went to be with Jesus, and that was a very rough day. And... um, our daughter, you know, I can picture her being uh, in the very next room, 
and it's still in the isolate, and she was fighting for her life as we were saying goodbye to our son, who God chose to um, take home with him. I remember leaving the room after we said our goodbyes to our son, and he had gone, and uh, we went down into the waiting room, and there were seven people down there that we love so dearly, and uh, just hugging with them, and um, being encouraged by them, and it was just a really neat moment. And then our daughter fought for her life at Johns Hopkins Hospital um, in their NICU, and I just think about the weeks and weeks and weeks we spent there every day, and uh, the amazing staff that fought on her behalf, and she almost died more than once. <laughs> but then miraculously, um, on November 17th of that year, the Lord allowed us to take her home. She was only three and a half pounds, remember how tiny she was <laughs> at that moment. Um, I remember the car seat, she she was too small for even the car seat, but we were able to take her home. And then um, just the, the time that we've been able to spend with her since that day, it has just been unbelievable. Miracle from God, being a parent, watching a baby grow and having the opportunity, just unbelievable. And I, when Ryan asked me to do this, I was thinking about it. And I, you know, God puts us through trials. Um, and one of the things that I've shared with people over the years is, when you're going through a trial, and I know Ryan's going to talk more about trials in just a minute, but when you're going through a trial, you never want to miss what God's trying to show you. I mean, and our Lord was trying to show us a lot through that. And one of the ways that he did that is through the people around us. And I, I just wanted to take a moment, and I just want to share with you, because it was such a blessing to us, I want to share with you what some of the people um, did for us during that time. And I, I just... It was just a mental list as I was sitting down writing names. I'm sure there's names that I'm going to forget. but I And I know that you don't know any of these names, but I, I want to share with you what they did. So I'm just going to quickly go through that. The first ones I want to mention are a couple named Wes and Darcy Daniels and Curtis and Janet King. They were some of the people in the waiting room that night. And they stood by us through the long journey um, and just overflowing never thank them enough for the friendship they had with us and just walking with us. The second one I wrote down was William Townsend. He's a pastor of the church. I remember him the night the kids were born. He was there. I remember him standing in that room over the isolate with us looking at our children. I remember on Wednesday our son was not having such a good day two days after. And I remember him leaving his midweek service. He was pre- you know, supposed to preach that night. And drove as fast as he could down to the hospital to be with us. I remember Granite Baptist Church. Um, it's a church in Maryland. And the people who loved us, who cried with us, who prayed with us, who worked and just carried this burden from even before the kids were born with us. And what they did for us is just unbelievable. I remember Megan Daniels. Um, she was a a teenager at the time. I remember her creating a Facebook page, and I, I didn't even have Facebook back then, but just trying to get teenagers to pray and other people to pray for our children. I remember Linda Bonzel and Lola Sansone. You remember them? Linda and Lola, they, they made a long drive to Johns Hopkins one day to just let us weep in their arms and cry. And They had no idea that our daughter had almost died the night before um, and just what it meant to us. 
just by them following the prompt of, you know, the Lord on their heart to go up there. I remember my mom, my mom remembered the, there's a long corridor at Hopkins. I remember my mom wheeling a cooler full of food down that long corridor just to make sure that we had enough to eat. I remember her sitting by our daughter's bed and singing to her in the NICU. Uh, my grandfather and my grandmother, they made the trip down three hours just to see our children. I'm so thankful they did before our son went to be uh, in heaven. I remember your dad and Deb, they um, they bought us clothes and uh they also bought us meals and just making sure that we were clothed and fed so we didn't ever have to leave our children. I remember Paul Shepler singing at our son's funeral. And I, I think about, oh, I think about him trying to sing that song, God's Been Good, and trying to get through it and what it meant to us. I remember Joseph and Bethany spending their time painting Leah's room and getting it ready for her. I remember Mike Hubers Jr., he's a pastor also in Maryland. He drove to the hospital. I remember him stumbling over his words to try to talk to us and encourage us when our son had passed away and just what it meant for us to, for him to be there. I remember Beth Scharf. Um, she's a dear friend of mine that just held me. I had a rough day in the pregnancy when I was still pregnant and how she held me in my office and we just cried together. I remember the teenagers singing at our son's funeral, our, our dear precious teenagers. And I remember them crying, and I remember them just trying to, with all their heart, um, use the words of the song to encourage us and remind us that God has not left us and we didn't need to fear, um, and how much of a blessing it was to me. I remember Ed Lassner volunteering to drive our son's body across two states so we could lay him to rest um, where some of our family is buried. I remember Stacy Berg. Stacy Berg is such a blessing to me. I could talk a lot about Stacy, but I remember Stacy um, sitting by our daughter's bedside while we were at our son's funeral to make sure she was okay, keep checking on her. Jesse Rakewitz and Napwaguna, I remember them preparing boxes and pictures and trinkets um, that belonged to our son to display at his funeral. That was an amazing blessing. And other ways too. Jim Bossy. Uh, Jim and other men from the church, they worked to put lights in our house and just prepare it for us to bring a newborn, fragile baby home. And I'm almost done, but I, I do want to mention a few more. Patrick, Patrick was our, our head nurse at Hopkins and how he fought for our daughter and advocated for her that she could have the best care possible. The hundreds of letters and cards. Do you remember that we received a, a card from China? I think it was. Someone in China was praying for us. I mean, just cards and encouragement all through the way. Audie Goddard. I remember Audie knitting a blanket, a baby blanket, that was draped over our son's coffin. And then Rachel Woolery. I remember Rachel bought these little cards, um, and they had our kids' names on them, two of them. And she probably didn't think that it would be as much of an encouragement to us as it was, but they just, they taped those cards to our kids' isolettes. And uh, I remember looking at it every day um, with with our daughter's name. Our son, you know, obviously only had it for a few days, but our daughter weeks looking at that card every day and just being reminded of God through it. And then I just also wrote down all of the women that I've been able to talk to, or couples even, really, mm-hmm. that we've been able to talk to through the years that have gone through something similar. And what an encouragement they've been to us um, and how we've been able to share that 
that likeness together. And I just think, you know, I can talk for hours telling you if you if you and we were sitting down and having coffee, I could tell you all of the details of what God did. But I just, in this short time, just remembering that God had so much to teach us through the trial that we were stepping into and the people around us. And I just think if there's the possibility that we could have missed it um, if we focused more on the trial. And I'm just so thankful for everybody and the details that happened. It was so traumatic. And I can't wait till heaven <laughs> to see see uh, our son again. Um, but that's kind of the the short version of the story that we went through. And I, I know you're going to share some things about it, but yep. that's it. <laughs> I asked Chris to share the, the testimony with you because I don't know if I would have been able to get through it. <laughs> um, but sometimes we as parents, uh, you as parents of your kids, sometimes even pastors of their of their flock, of their congregation, they try and protect uh, people from from trial, and they try and uh, shelter uh, us from our from our trials. Uh, but sometimes God has other plans. Sometimes God has that trial for you regardless of, of however, however much safety uh, you try and surround yourself with. Um, and sometimes it's just a point where we just ask ourselves why. And we ask ourselves, what are we supposed to do with this information? And uh, what do we do about it? Um, and Paul writes to the church at Ephesus from prison. Uh, and he says in Ephesians chapter 6, he says in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He goes on to talk about the other uh, pieces of armor that uh, he would go ahead, go ahead and talk about to put on uh, to the soldier, and, and representing each of those uh, with something that we can use to stand against the devil, to stand against the trials in our lives, and to stay close to God uh, in the midst of our trial. In the end of that chapter, in the end of the book of Ephesians, he gives us two more verses. In verse 23, he says, The result of this is peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he finishes, Grace be with all of them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. So we see that God helps us in our trials. And we see these things, and we see that God provides us a way to get through our trials. Uh, but the first thing that I want to notice with you tonight is that uh, in the first place, we need to expect them to be coming. Uh, we don't want to. Uh, we didn't in 2004 when we were married, and we didn't know what was ahead of us. Uh, but in our lives, just understand that, that trials come and that uh, we shouldn't shy away or, or run away from God because of them. Uh, but just expect that they're coming. Uh, the Bible says in First Peter in chapter 4, verse 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. And then within a, within a five-verse span, in verse 16, he says, Yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. The Bible says glorify him. There's a five-verse span there. Many of you have trials. Many of you have trials that have been in the past. Many of you have trials that are currently taking place in your life. They've altered the way that you live. But the question that I need to ask you is this. Has it strengthened 
you in your Christian walk? Or has it weakened you in your Christian walk? You say, hey, but I lost my job. I'll live for Christ. You say, hey, my spouse, my parents, they don't live for God. They're, they're, they, they're, they hurt me. They, they're not godly in their lives. It's so discouraging. I say, live for Christ. Teens and adults alike, they say, hey, my friends, they make fun of me. They hurt me. They, they discourage me. Live for Christ. You say, hey, but COVID-19. COVID-19 happened. You say, hey, I'm scared. You say, I've got medical or, or physiological problems with me in my life. I say, hey, live, live for Christ. This trial was coming. The trial for us in 2009 was coming. We had no idea. But God says, think it not strange. And then five verses later, he says, glorify God. That's what the Bible says. So we need to, number one, expect trials. And then number two, it leads right into it. Glorify God. Exalt in your trials. We need to not be ashamed. We need to not ever think that God has left us or that God doesn't care for us. I want to give you an illustration. Have you ever played tug-of-war? Of course, you probably have, maybe in your childhood. Uh, but let's pretend there's two ropes. And God is on one end, and he's holding strong to, to his end of the rope. And then on the other end of that rope is you, and you're holding on to that other end. And then there's another rope that you're holding on to, and on the other end of that rope is Satan. So we have God, and then you in the middle, and then Satan on the other side. And you're holding on to both ropes, and, and God is standing strong. He's unmovable. And you're in the middle of that. And then Satan is on the other end, and he's pulling with all of his might because he wants to destroy you. He wants to take you and, and, and pull you far away from God. Here's a principle for you. James 4.8 tells us this. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. What does that verse teach us in this tug-of-war of life between God and Satan? It tells me, hey, cut the rope between you and Satan and cast him far away. And then you have that rope between you and God. Hey, I say drop the rope and just walk toward God. We want to we be going toward God in our lives. Uh, if, we, if we cut that rope and, and between you and Satan and we drop that rope between you and God, then we will exalt God in our lives. We will make God big in our lives. Exalt means to hold in high regard. We want to do that with God in our lives, to exalt him, to hold him up high. John 3.30 says, He must increase, but we must decrease. So listen, tonight we need to expect, we need to exalt, and then the last one tonight, and you're doing great, keep going, keep following along, we need to evangelize in the midst of our trials. Christian, let me te t uh, talk to you for a minute. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27, I want to read that to you. It says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. What kind of testimony do you have in your life? In the midst of a trial or not in a trial, what kind of testimony do you have? And, and, and you know what? People are watching. People are watching my wife and I when we went through our trial. People from our church, people from outside of our church, people from the hospital, the nurses and the doctors, the attendants, all, all of them 
people are watching. What kind of testimony do you have? I remember my mom. I talked about her last week in, Sun, in Sunday night church. And she went through a six-year fiery trial fighting against uh, cancer. And, and the end of that trial was glory with God. But she was successful in her trial. And she kept God at the forefront. And she kept God in, in, at the top of, of the priority list in her life. And people came to know Christ because of her testimony. And so I ask you tonight, what is your testimony like? What is your testimony like? You can use your testimony. You can use your past hurt. You can use your past trial for His glory. You can use your current trial for His glory. I want to give you Galatians chapter 1 and verse 13, where Paul says this. He says, For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. This is Paul speaking. And he gives testimony of his past and says how awful it was and how awful he was and how, how he persecuted Christians. But then we see a few verses later in verse 21, Galatians 1.21, Afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, in verse 22, and was unknown by face under the, under the churches of Judea which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed, and they glorified God in me. It's a great thing to know that because of your past trial, because of your past hurt, that God can use that, and people can be, can be glorifying God because of your testimony in your life. Christians will be encouraged. Unsaved will realize the truth of God's love through your faithfulness to God and sharing the trials and the testimony that you have within you. You say, yes, I feel like that is me. You say, I am, I'm, a, I'm in that group of Christians. Let me ask you a question. Are you 100% sure that if you died today, that one day your home will be heaven? You say, hey, maybe, maybe I'm about 70, 75% sure, maybe 85% sure, or even 99% sure. That's, that's pretty close. Uh, but if you are not 100% sure, I'd encourage you, in the comments section, underneath this video is going to be a link that I'm hoping, that I'm praying, that I'm pleading with you to click on, and it will be a place where you can read some material quickly and know 100% sure your eternal destin destiny and know that you have 100% assurance that you will be with Jesus one day, and that heaven will be your home one day. I plead with you, I encourage you to click that link. And I'd just like to finish up tonight, and in everything, know that God's grace is sufficient for us. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 12, in verse 9, he says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather... Glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Tonight, if you're in the midst of a trial now, uh, in the comments right now, again, you'll see another link, another way to reach out to Community Baptist. We want to help you. We want to help you. We're going to post several things in areas on how you can connect with us. Uh, and then we can be a help to you personally in your life. If you know of someone who is in the midst of a trial, hey, share this information with them. Share this video with them. If you've been helped by this message or you've, you've been helped by uh, the, the ministry of Community Baptist, 
please let us know. We want to share uh, in the victory that God has given you in your life and in your trial. And tonight, I just want to thank you. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time to be with my wife and I tonight as we share our testimony with you. God bless you.